microphone is not what we're recording on. Here's the You now you see who the star of the show is. Fucking <laughs> black. So the last episode, Leon was. <laughs> I'm not long for this world. <laughs> I like the sound of the thing moving around. Oh, it's natural tan. Uh, there you go. It's amazing. It's like we're such professionals. I played uh, the unicorn, and the unicorn was Shel Silverstein. Really? And he wrote cover cover the Rolling Stone. Well, we're big rock singers. We got golden fingers, and we're loved everywhere we go. That sounds like us. We sing about beauty, and we sing about truth. At ten thousand dollars a show, right? We take all kind of pills to give us all kind of thrills, but the thrill we never know is the thrill that'll get you when you get your picture on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Well, my daddy left home when I was three, and he didn't leave much to Ma and me. Just this old guitar and an empty bottle of booze. Now, I don't blame him because he run and hid, but the meanest thing that he ever did was before he left, he went and named me Sue. That guy was all over the 70s. That's amazing. Sean Silverstein. 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 You say potato. I don't I don't like him. I don't like carbohydrates myself. Kanoa. So back to the idea of where did those songs come from and where the ideas come from. I was looking through the, the 76, 77, 78, 79. It's kind of turned over to disco, more disco oriented, like around 78, 76. I guess Staying Alive. No, it was before that. It was, was it before that? Saturday, Saturday Night Fever? Saturday Night Fever, yeah. 75 maybe? 75, 76-ish. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just... That snippet of time, there was so much good music. Uh, because really by 1980 was when people started to say, you know, the, the whole disco sucks yeah. and all that stuff, right? <laughs> I had I had an idea for an album. This was many years ago, and I think maybe at the time it sounded funny. People might be offended now. I thought of having a compilation album called Great Songs by Bands That Suck. Oh, yeah, that would be fun. You know, like, I, I think yeah. of bands that... The band themselves, I don't like most of their songs, but then they bring out this song that I'm like, wow. So fun. here's a question. What would be a song that you would say was a great song? And it was, I'm not talking about one hit wonder things. I'm talking about like a band that was huge, but you only like one of their songs. Well, you know who the favorite target is, right? Who's that? Nickelback. Nickelback. But they have, if I you're think a Nickelback. It's undeserved, to be honest. I think it's. I really don't know. I was thinking about that the other day. It's funny you what say that. What is the thing? I mean, they're just a rock band. I mean, what's the problem? I, I guess um, Chad Kruger was the, is their singer, right? Yeah. And he had some, like, bad press about stuff he had said, you know, um, you know. Whatever. Who hasn't, right? If you're, yeah. you're going to be in front of... Married to Avril Lavigne, by the way. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. 
and go. from Hannah, Alberta, which is like 90 miles from my hometown. I, I don't know I enough about it. played in the same it. hotel as those guys. The one thing that I will say on that is that they're public figures, right? Yeah. So the same stuff that, that helps them to sell millions of albums because they get good press is the same machine that that gives them bad press, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like the other side of the same coin. I, I don't feel terrible. I don't want that person to have a, a difficult life because of yeah. bad press. Yeah. But at the same time, they do live in a mansion and drive live a Lamborghini. Live by the sword, die by the sword? Is that what you're saying? Oh, I don't know if that's what I'm saying, but that was very poetic. Did you just come up with that? Did you just, just make thought that up? It myself. That's amazing. Coin to phrase. Our mind on music. Where do I get these things? It just comes, mana. I don't know. <laughs> Out of my subconscious. Mana, mana. All right, so... What were we talking about? I want to go back to that era for me. You, So you grew up... So let's see, so your formative years would have been the like 80 80s. and on? Yeah. Okay, so for me, it was that five years prior. Or Sorry, four years I should prior. say... Like the last episode, we were talking about the preteen years. Yeah. And so that was just like what was in my head before I even started thinking about Oh, music. okay, yeah. Well, I mean, then then we're talking about for, for our family, it was all kinds of stuff. It was country, mm-hmm. a lot of country. You know, Johnny Cash, Boy Named Sue, Folsom Prison Blues. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. I hear the train coming. It's rolling around the bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine I don't know when I'm stuck in Folsom Prison And time keeps dragging on But that train keeps rolling On down to San Antonio When I was just a baby My mom You know, and we had these KTEL albums where you had like um, um, Fair and Young Well, it's four in the morning and what's for the daughter? Woke up the warning in me. Wishing I never mattered. Knowing if I'd forget it, how much better off she would be. So, those are all like, for me, those were even before you were yeah. aware of things. So, right? that's that was really early days. Yeah. Um, but there wasn't a ton of country in our house and the main reason was because my mom I don't know I don't think she even thought about it she just would listen to like the Merry Men Calypso one day what about uh, Neil Diamond Cracklin' Rosie you know I mean when you're a kid I'm not talking about like know, as an influence but just as growing up I okay I was, a, I was a little country boy we came from a tiny little hamlet in southern Alberta but my siblings lived in Edmonton so you know when you drive they in Metropolis yeah, well, when you drove up to uh, a city in, in Alberta, because it's so flat and not a lot of trees, at mm-hmm. least in southern Alberta, as you get closer to Edmonton, there's more trees, but you come up on the highway and you could see nighttime the lights from far, far away. It looks like the city's so close. Yeah. So you're driving along, and I remember, <clears throat> I must have been six, something like that, five or six, and I just remember hearing Cracklin' Rosie for the first time driving up to that to the to the lights of Edmonton, wow, just like crazy. in the back seat of the car, listening to.
noticed you okay so I have noticed that when I edit these videos and put in like those snippets you know that obviously after we've we've done this conversation I thought they just magic when yeah I just I'm, I just magic them <laughs> I just go like this <laughs> like Samantha. Samantha and Tabitha um a couple of times you've done that and I, I'm sure it's because you play music every day but you do them in the right key and at tempo. Honestly, like... Yes, but it, it was a thing when I was growing up. You put the... We talked about this, right? You put the needle on. Yeah. And before the song starts, you sing the song... You sing the... You know what you I mean? You got it in your head, yeah. You got it in your head yeah. and you know the tempo. And the guys are just like... And I go fast and slow. I mean, it, it, live. It, it's an, oh, no, no, no. Because you're, then you're, you're also reading the crowd in the moment, right? Yeah. But I'm just talking about sitting here right now. Uh-huh. There have been two or three times where you would like sing the beginning of a song just the um the, the Chilliwack oh, song oh I see what you're saying you'd sing like the Chilliwack song and then when I when I put the actual thing in thinking that what I'll do is I'll I'll like fade out your your speaking and singing yeah. and bring in the song it's actually in the same key <laughs> I'm like dude it's just a it's just a coinky dink maybe but I, I just thought it was kind of cool I just thought I'd mention that Oh, uh, Arms of Mary was the one you're talking about. That's right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hillowack. Yeah. Okay. Uh, started out as a kind of a a folk rock, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, so but can you imagine like just being that age and you're you you grew up in the city, so it's yeah, it's yeah. more of a it's, it's less of a thing. Like when you're a country kid mm-hmm. and you go into the I mean Lethbridge is at the time it was only like fifty or sixty thousand people, and to me that was like that's where I went for you know accordion lessons, hmm. and we would drive. It was about a sixty seventy minute drive to to Lethbridge, and you come up to Lethbridge, just, oh, we're getting into the big city here, you know? <laughs> Yahoo, we're going to go to Dairy Queen. See, that's funny, because for me, I I was born in Scarborough, Ontario, and then we moved to Pickering, right? And Pickering was about... Pickering was smaller? Or? About 50,000, okay. 40, between 40 so and still 60. still, by my estimation, That's what I'm saying. For us, place. we had moved into, like, the country, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. you know, suburbia, yeah. but... Well, Lethbridge is like that. I mean, it's a it's a prairie town. It's got the it's got the river valley like a lot of them do. And um, just not much going on. But for, for a little kid like me, we'd go to the public library. Was, to me, it was huge, yeah. you know? My mom would drop me off there and go to do her things. But just the memories, the musical memories from that time are all tied up in what were we doing, mm. you know? like. So I sat down, uh, I was in... I think at this point I was probably in grade 10 mm-hmm. and I had started, I had already been writing songs, trying to write songs for a while. And I was in this band called Out of Bounds, Outta, O-U-T-T-A, Out of wow. Bounds. <laughs> we had our own spelling. Um, <laughs> Shorthand. There you go. Um, and I had, I had written this song. Hey, you're out of bounds. That was our our drummer. We were like, can't think of a name. And he goes, out of bounds. Our name's out of bounds. <laughs> that was down. it. That was pretty just much like it. That, eh? Like he just said it, and we were like, yeah, it's a name. Let's use that. <laughs> you know, it wasn't a good name or a bad name. It was just a name. Let's use yeah. that. My current band is called No Name. We don't have a name. 
So every show Don't that you, we Yeah, play, you change your name every show. We, we I like change, that. We change the name of the band every show, yeah. mostly because we played in the same The Tabletops. Well, we, How about that one next week? When we were in the coming out of the COVID restrictions and stuff, you were only allowed to have small gatherings. Yeah. So the name of our band was Small Gathering. Small Gathering. Small Gathering playing at uh, Commune Kaifu. <laughs> and then we were one left shoe one time and we were Freddy and the Krugers for Halloween instead of two left feet I don't know I, I don't know I mean I just, I, we don't put a whole lot of thought into it <laughs> anyway so uh, so I had come to uh, our drum so the drummer in the band he and I used to write a lot of the songs mm-hmm. and we actually had a I think we talked about this a Tascam four track recorder mm-hmm. that we would he would play the drums I'd play all the other stuff we record it all and put the, the harmonies in everything. So we'd bring a demo to the band. Yeah. And we'd say, okay, this is the song, you know, and that's how we would we'd come up with songs. By the way, you, 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 you have talked about this. Did you come with just the piano part or did you have the whole thing? Uh, no. And so when I came to the drummer with the song, it's a song called I Know, which I played a little snippet of it yeah. um, in one of our earlier episodes. Yeah. I had come with the piano part in my mind, but he had, um, he didn't have a piano at his house. So I had gone to his house, um, and he had this little Casio keyboard that he bought from Radio Shack. So I was trying to play it, and it was like, ding, 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 And then I said, and then there's like huge drums come in, and this and that. He's like, dude, we're not, it's like, we're not Meatloaf. This is not 1977. We're not Meatloaf. We're not doing that. This is not the sound of our band. And I was like, Okay, let's take out the piano part and see what it sounds like. Yeah. And it was just this guitar part that went dun dun, dun dun. He was like, "Yes, that's what we're gonna do." Uh-huh. And so he played this massive, you know, massive hi hats and slow sort of grinding beat. You know, this is when grunge was just, I guess, beginning to be a word that we knew. You mm-hmm. know, and so we thought that'd be really cool. And then we got this guitar player, Clayton Brown, uh, and. Clay was playing in another band. Um, we had just asked him to come in. We were recording at uh, Comfort Sound Studios in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Right. We had started to put together that song. Okay, and it just kind of sat there. And then we decided that we wanted to bring in a second guitar player. We could get a thicker sound, and we could do some harmonies on, on some of the parts. Mm-hmm. Calling Clay, and he comes in, and he does this like harmonic kind of like the finger tapping thing we talked about with Eddie Van Halen but by that point it had grown into something different where you could do harmonics where oh yeah right harmonics is when you just slightly touch the string um, and it gives this like it just takes out one of the frequencies of the whole sound yeah of this of this note that you're playing he did this finger tapping harmonic thing so basically I had told this story I had this really good piano part and Chris wouldn't let me do it. <laughs> you told so, it to this guy? So I told it to Clay, and he basically imitated that on his guitar. Nice. And he came up with this amazing sounding thing, and it became kind of the hook of the song, you know? Play it again. <sighs> okay. <laughs> right now. So, in uh, speaking of high school bands, but in grade 12, 
we were commissioned with writing the the uh, the graduation song. Wow! So I wrote a song called Dreams for the grad class and whoever else wanted to buy one, and they actually played it on local radio. It was a lot of fun, right? But that song, you know, has kind of a, it has piano, but also like a over top glockenspiel. Actually, it is a glockenspiel. Oh, okay. Which, um, of course, I mean, I I use glockenspiel in recordings that I make now. Yeah. But actually, I'm using samples of it. I, I get it from my from my oh, okay. um, from yeah. my computer. I don't actually play a glockenspiel. Yeah. Um, so that's this, this was a real glockenspiel that saying. was in the studio, and we had no intention of using it. It's, it's just, just the guy that was engineering the thing. He said, "Why don't you put this over top? It might sound cool." So we did. I love that. I kind of miss that. Like when you when I look around this studio, there's not much stuff in here, and you can do everything and more. You know. But uh, some of you our can students, do it all in the computer now. Right, that's the thing. But our students here, they do the um, uh, foley art, which is like when you create the walking sounds from a movie, or you know, all of oh, the, nice. those the different sound sounds, right? Yeah. So, you know, they do a sword fight. They they go in later, but we don't use for that for the foley art portion of that drama class. They make the sounds, so they do it like old school. Yeah, you know. So if it's somebody walking, they literally put on a pair of boots and they put the mic on the floor and clump, 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 you know? I kind of <laughs> missed that. It was it was a lot of fun. To, oh, naturel. I, I think there was a lot of fun in that. But the thing of it is, is is there's something about the ingenuity of that, right? Yeah, there was, I felt, I felt a bit like an inventor yeah. coming up with, how do I solve that? Yeah. There are lots of stories like that where people are recording in a studio and uh, there was this um, singer musician who was writing about she wanted to have a thunder sound mm -hmm. and she didn't have any way to do that so she looked up and she saw the lights above her and she was like that plastic i bet you if i hit that in the hollow ceiling it'll sound like kind of rumbly right yeah and that's what they did they put a mic up there and she hit the light is that right yeah and then yeah. i think they they pitched it down as well you yeah. know So, we have these... <laughs> <laughs> and back to the show. <laughs> well, you know, you, you listened to uh, that version of Telephone Line that was just stripped down, uh, acoustic guitar and a piano. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. Yeah. Right? Hello. How are you? Have you been all right? Through all those lonely, 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 lonely nights. That's what I'd say I'd tell you everything If you'd pick up that telephone Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Mr. Beautiful. It's just beautiful. It's a beautiful. That's a beautiful thing, you know. It was a... I like it. I, was, <laughs> I like it a lot. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Blue Sky, I remember... Uh, so this is uh, uh, yellow that we're talking about here, right? E-L-O, -E Electric e Light Orchestra. Electric Light Orchestra. I, I heard you say yellow, actually. Yellow. Look at the stars. Look how they shine. Just for you. Right? <laughs> so E-L-O. Um, so they have the song Mr. Blue Sky, and we've talked about this. Um, Jeff Lynn mm -hmm. loves his production. He yeah. loves putting lots of reverb and lots of echo, lots of this and that. And 
And, and I heard this version of Mr. Blue Sky. Actually, I'd like to play a little snippet, maybe just the chorus of the original Mr. Blue Sky. And then there's a, a girl, I can't remember her name. She recorded a ukulele and <laughs> her voice, which beautiful voice, yep. you know. There's that style, you know. Yeah. And is so good. So I've done that on purpose. I've purposely just kept it right piling. Up. Yeah. Oh, so oh. I know I pile stuff on, and then I mute tracks. So I put in like a eight part strings harmony. Oh. So now we're getting to, into the arranging part of, yeah. of it, really. Which I honestly I think even when I took that song I know to our drummer, I had already. But moved. that's what it, actually it, that's what it's about, right? You take the song. And you go, okay, what am I going to do with this? And then your then your influences really come out, right? Well, that's you know what Mutt Lang was talking about when we talked about our in our producers episode, mm-hmm. the first one, the episode four, I think it was. We talked about Mutt Lang, how originally in the earlier days he wouldn't take any songwriting credit on albums that he worked on, because was that him? Oh, okay, I thought it was him, somebody else. I'm pretty sure it was him. Okay. Uh, yes, it was abs- it was absolutely him because okay. he was talking about now working with um, the guitar player from Bon Jovi. Oh, Richie Sambora. Richie Sambora, great so, singer too, by the way. Yes, yeah. I mean, I love when I just like discover something like that. Richie Sambora is the guitar player for Bon Jovi, and then you hear him sing like Dave Grohl. Like yeah. Dave Grohl is the drummer for Nirvana, obviously, and then you hear him sing and you hear him play like, yeah. with just huge guitar. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so he was talking about he, as a producer, wouldn't take songwriting credits because he didn't want that and sort of the legality of who owns this song, blah, 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 to get in the way of the creative o- process. Overwhelm the process. He was happy with the production. I mean, he was making great money as a producer anyway because yeah. he was so famous. Yeah. And just sort of left it at that. But then it became where his input into the song became a huge part of the song itself, yeah. right? So. It's the well, line you could, between arranging got, and songwriting can be very thin. It got to the point where you could hear a Mutt Lang album even if you didn't know the artist. Oh yeah, you well, know? but like Brian you know, Leopard and Def Adams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and, and and the but you listen to the ACDC albums that he did. I think he did two or three. He may have maybe done more, more. I, um, but for sure, like Highway to Hell. Yeah. And um, Back in Black was that? Back in Black, yes, that was him. You know, and you, it's those are not really. Mutt Lang, no. Which, and again, that was one of those. I I love the fact. I mean, so many conversations that you and I have had about music were like eye openers for me because that was one of the things for years. Like since the eighties, I've thought of Mutt Lang with one trick pony. Yeah, I always thought of it like that. Well, he did Pyromania. uh, What was the follow up? Hysteria. Hysteria. I thought he had only done Hysteria, and that was where I came up with that. um, 
Brian Leppard. I, I mean, I didn't create that, but that's where that that thing, the Brian Leppard and Def Adams, yeah. because he had produced Brian Adams shortly but after dude, Hysteria. Even, even Shania Twain, who he was married to. Yeah, which again, she totally had that sound. You right? s- you say you say these things now, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Although, those, if you have a listen to those couple albums, but then what do you do? You're did still the one. Like you can definitely hear it on da 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 da. Let's go, girls. Tennessee now feeling like a woman wow controversy kids that's what we're all about we're all about the controversy I I like Lavazza coffee and some people don't controversy kids put on put on speaking of Tennessee put on I got it can you just do this for fun Dana Carvey doing oh um, the church lady Al Gore oh uh Al Gore is kind of professorial Mm -hmm. um for every one dollar I Spend. My opponent spends three dollars. <laughs> if my opponent gave me five dollars, I would give him four ones and four quarters. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. He goes on right. for five minutes. Ten percent of this and three hundred million of that and la di da and two percent and doobity doobity do. <laughs> and then Bush gets up and goes, "You can quote all the numbers you want. I'm not a hard-hearted person." <laughs> and he's winning. Maybe we should just do an episode where it's actually just clippets, snippets of uh, clippets, <laughs> snippets, snippets of, of uh, our comedian guys, our comedian. <laughs> yeah, we should put. We should do one where it's just Martin Short and Dana Carvey. Yeah. And oh, also uh, Jim Carrey on on t- New Year's Eve 2000 on the Dave Letterman show. Okay. Uh, if I don't get a chance to see you before the end of the year, happy Happy New Year! And Thank happy you very much. Do you have Millennium plans? Are you going to celebrate? Do you? Uh, how do I'm you celebrate? I'm pretty much going to, like you know. That? Play it by ear. Yeah. I'll give you an idea. Can I get a countdown? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Have you seen him do Michael Bolton? No. On uh, In Living Color. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty funny. His head explodes. Oh, of course. When a man, 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 
I love hearing them talk about making that show. They were like, I had this idea. I'll just put a pickle in a jar and see what happens. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so I think we were talking about something. Uh, we were. Songwriting. Where do these songs come from? From the very moment that I have, I wake up 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Three o'clock in the morning. My mom has this story about when I was like fourteen or something, and she woke up in the middle of the night, like three in the morning, and she hears this like haunting music, and she's like, you know, half asleep still. And she's like, what? Yeah. And then she walks down like over to the stairway because we had a two story, you know, yeah. and she realizes it's the piano playing. What the? Yeah. She walks down the stairs. Jeremy, are you okay? And I'm playing really quietly because I had woken up with this song in my head. I didn't want to forget it. Yeah. So I was trying to play it really quietly on the piano. Yeah. And she just laughs because she's like, okay. You know, she was not even sure what to do with that. You know, yeah. is my son going crazy or no, I'm just a musician, mom. <laughs> That's just how we roll. <laughs> wow. But my point, when I wake up at three o'clock in the morning and I have this song in my head, I have no idea where that came from. Yeah. Why did I wake up? Like, I wonder if there's somebody out there who could actually give some insight into that. You know, it'd be very interesting. Last thing I want to say on on the subject is I just I just had a, a thought as as you were saying like here I was like mm -hmm. in the middle of the night trying to be quiet to get an idea down. After I had my I had throat surgery to repair uh, some nodules mm -hmm. and I couldn't sing for like you know three to six months I can't remember exactly how long it ended up being but my throat was definitely if I remember correctly it was it should have been longer than it should have been longer gave it yes yeah. it should have been longer but anyways this is my unhappiness <laughs> I'm sitting <laughs> I'm sitting in my office and I had also taken over the general manager's job at, at, at Terrace so learning on the thing with no voice trying to write on a on a whiteboard or sheets of paper or whatever hello how yes. are you <laughs> Without the you know, sound. Doing my, my Stephen Hawking <laughs> thing. No, but it, two songs came out of that period with no, I just remember with this. no vocals? With no vocals, with, with no, like the lyrics came out, the melody came out, and how the song was going to be arranged, and, you know, and um, one was called Everybody Needs an Angel, and another one was called Make It What You Want It To Be. <laughs> Like no voice, no chance to audition it and hear what it sounded like. Oh wow! It was just like, this is what I'm. This is what the melody is going to be. It's going to be this, mm. and this is what the the guitar part is going to be. It's going to be this, 
drums I didn't we worked on that later but you know right. what I mean yeah and that's cool that was where those come from I I don't know I, yeah though that that was a whole different process right? what I think is I mean because I I have had at least one friend I remember <laughs> this was in Qingdao as well actually but uh, we were work, I was working at a school and the kindergarten teacher had come to me and she said I don't sing I don't play any instruments but I've got this song in my head mm. you know and she had come to me with this kindergarten this, teacher yeah okay no not kindergarten not a student. kindergarten kid That'd did I say amazing. kindergarten student oh I don't I don't know what she said I, I don't I know I all I know is what I heard I don't listen to me <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you said but I know Echo what I heard chamber <laughs> That's a Stephen Colbert quote. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea what you just said, but I know what I heard. <laughs> so the kindergarten teacher comes to me and says that. I don't sing, I don't play any instruments, but I have the song in my head. Could you help? Get this out of my head. <laughs> she didn't say that. And so she like she said, you know, will you you know, will you sit through my interpret it for me? Right. Well, yeah, but Basically. also like she apologized about the way she was about to sing it, right? Oh, okay. Sing it. Yeah. So she sang it. I then was able to then transcribe it, right? So I could I could write it down or I could play it. I could so I what I did was I recorded it, right? Mm, nice. And so I recorded I don't think I have that recording anymore unfortunately. Too bad. But so that's kind of what I'm talking about. Where do these songs come from? No idea. No idea. But when the difference was that when you have an idea or I have an idea, I could pick up an instrument and translate that into something that somebody else can also right, hear. Right. There's a movie from the from the 80s, I think it was called Dreamscape, where these scientists had come up with this invention where you could put this these sensors on your head. I think head. I know what you're talking Remember? about. Yes. And it could it could record your dreams. So like your dreams as you see them in your head could then be transmitted onto a VHS player. <laughs> sure a, a digital cassette tape yeah um and and so that's kind of like we don't have that so what we have to do is learn how to play the piano learn how right. to play the guitar or the drums or whatever you know i i think it must be frustrating for a drummer what about a guy like bernie toppin you know yes he's yeah. not a musician really i he may play i don't know but yeah. he goes in he hands the lyrics and he walks out you know, but, and it's but all up to Elton at that point. If so, my sister Margot, um, she is a poet. Um, among she's a teacher and she's a poet, and, but she's written poetry books, and at least a, one or two of her poems I've turned into songs. You know, and for her, for the most part, every now and then she would say like, "I, I got this I, song idea specifically, right?" But it's different for her, isn't it? For the most her part, her idea of what a song is. Yeah, is uh, is about the the lyrics really? Yes. You know? So what I'm saying is, for her, it's not an incomplete work when it's a poem. It's that's the it's work. done. It's done. Yeah. For me, as a musician, I start to hear it in my head with a melody. Yeah. You know, so maybe for Bernie Taupin, he didn't feel like he was incomplete. It only was done. only having written a poem. It was done, and I don't know how 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 whack and chop. Elton John was with the with the lyrics and the, and well, the Daniel, order and I mean, like that. That was that's an infamous story. Like
the whole story of Daniel, Daniel, my brother, you know, yeah. um, the last verse explains that he actually wasn't going to France, Spain, Spain. Spain. Yeah. He wasn't going to Spain. He was going off to the war, Vietnam. Right. And it says that in the last verse. Okay, so Jeremy from the future here. It turns out that that, what I just finished saying, was actually a myth. It turns out that actually, yes, the last verse was removed. It was chopped out when they were recording back in the Chateau de Roville in France, uh, the Honky Chateau. Now I know why everybody says Honky Chateau. Not just that song, but man, try to say that word. Not easy. Anyway, so they cut out the last verse. But as much as urban myth has gone around saying that the last verse explained the whole song, Bernie Taupin was actually quoted saying, We had that whole thing about the missing verse that everybody seems to believe explained the true meaning of the song. I think that's just an urban legend. It really didn't explain anything. Sure, it was cut out, but they used to happen all the time with our songs. I would often overwrite, and Elton felt it necessary to edit somewhat. But believe me, it didn't say anything that the rest of the song didn't say. So, there you have it. It actually was not the explaining ultimate verse. It was just an extra verse that said more of the same, and Elton John, in his editing, thought that it wasn't necessary. Great song, though. Great song. So... The, I, I think it's it's a series of filters that are from the time it's in my head to the time it comes out to my co-writer or my bandmates. You're making decisions along the way too, right? Yeah. You're making certain decisions about how you want it to sound. Oh, I don't want it to sound like that. Oh, I'd like to add that in. Oh, maybe if my guitar player... You know what I mean? What about where does this song come from? When you play blues, it's mm. blues. Mm. That's where it comes from. And you, you remember the guy from In Living Color, right? I wrote a song about it. Wrote a song about it. Want to hear? Here go. Here go. And he plays the same the same song every song. time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> Lincoln was doing that the other day. Daddy, he sings the same time, same thing every time. So, so one of my students pointed it out to me uh, yesterday in class. When I tune guitars, I start off. This is I've done this since um, when did um, Eric Clapton tears. Tears from Heaven. When did that song come out? It was in the 80s. I it's can't remember. 80s, really? Oh, maybe early 90s, actually. 90s. Yeah. But I always tuned um, by just going from the from the low E string up to the high E string. Mm -hmm. When that song came out, it, you to start that song, da 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 right? It's an, it's an A major is the beginning but of the song. start on the e, low E. But it starts on the low E, and it goes da, E, da, da, F sharp, da-da-da, E, F sharp to an A, right? Da-da-da. Right. And so that's how I tune now, because I E and A are the first two strings on the guitar mm -hmm. from the top. So I go da da da, and if it sounds like Tears of Tears in Heaven, I'm in tune. And then I do that on the next string da da da. So I've I've uh, transposed it. Yeah. That's how I tune. And th sometimes I have classes with twelve acoustic guitars in front of me, and the students are supposed to be tuning. By themselves, I teach them the names of the strings, and they use a tuner, or they work with a piano player to mm -hmm. to tune, right? But then, when we sit down to actually play, I check them, and if it's out, I'll take the guitar and I'll just quickly tune fine it. tune it, you know. Yep. <laughs> da 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 da, and then I go, I do a blues riff, and it's just how I've tuned since 
at least since that song came out, that blues part, I think I've always done that. Yeah. Um, because when I do that, I slide and I can hear the high E string to see if it's if it's in on that riff. Yeah. I'm in tune. Yeah. That's how I tune, right? I can do that without a tuner now because I've done it for so many years, right? Yeah. So I can hear. I don't have perfect pitch, but I can hear a low E when I pick up the guitar and I know where it needs to be. Yeah. Because I'm hearing tears in heaven. You got good relative pitch, is what you're saying. Relative pitch, yeah. correct. Um, so when I pick up the guitar, I'll play the blues. Why? I didn't grow up listening to the blues. Like yeah. there's no part of my childhood, even in my teens. I mean, I love. When I watched your solo that you played that uh, I think Scott recorded for you yes yeah. it was yeah. very bluesy I don't know where that comes from I loved uh, Jimi Hendrix early days like the first time I heard Jimi Hendrix in the West which has Red House on it So, yes, later on, I went back and found that stuff. I have no idea why, when I pick up the guitar, the first thing that my hands will go to is blues. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a guitar thing. Could it be that, like, there was a, the thing to jam on was blues? Sure. Like, if you want to if you want to jam with a band, okay, In- let's do 12-bar blues. Yngwie Malmsteen talks about that. He, he said, like, he just, nowadays... I've heard him over the years do some bluesy stuff, but he early days wouldn't play. Tried bluesy to get stuff away from it because he said everybody picks up the guitar and plays bluesy licks, and it's just like, uh, just you know, try something else, yeah. you know. So yeah. he decided Paganini would be a good place to go, <laughs> <laughs> dude. Like. I like Polar. that though. No, but he's got a he's he's kind of got a point because right. there was a time when I was writing songs and they all were bluesy. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Yeah, and it was like eh. I remember I remember that actually because we had a couple of sort of ballads that were in major keys, and then I would always play the relative minor as the solo, so I could the relative minor it it has a relative minor is the major keys key signatures so oh, the same you know what they, sharps and flats they can watch the the pentatonic waste episode to get a real feel on that because he talks about um pentatonic over the chord instead of just one pentatonic scale for the whole song yes actually um, i'm glad you mentioned that i will finish this idea very Sorry. quickly but then i'll, I'll go back to the pentatonic way because right. i have some um so we had a couple of ballads that were in a major key which Maybe I could have taken like a more of a like 
country style solo approach to it. Mm-hmm. You know, a major pentatonic or or just or just, just a major a major key. Yeah, like it's in the key of C major or something. Yeah. But then I would always go to the bluesy solo for the guitar because that's honestly all I knew how to do at right. the time. I'm talking about like back in the yeah. out of bounds type days, you know. Yeah, and it wasn't till U T T A. Outa, yeah. It wasn't till I um, I was playing guitar. I was playing piano, and Peter Burnside in Qingdao, a friend of ours who we've mentioned really a couple nice times. Guitar player, by the way. Really good guitar player. Uh, principal? No, he he was the principal at the of the school at the time. Um, he had started to do major key solos, so basically just playing a major scale, scale do re mi fa sol la ti do. But he would play that as the solo, and I was like. I do that on the piano all the time. I just so, never... It's like, why not, right? I just never thought of doing it on the guitar until he did it. And then yeah. he said, well, that just makes it sound... It doesn't make it sound bluesy. That's why. Right. Um, and I thought... So that's when I, I changed my guitar playing because of that. The Pentatonic Way currently... So Pentatonic Way is uh, a website. Um, Neil, Neil Santos. Santos. Neil Santos has a couple books out about playing the guitar, including um, the the... I can't remember what it's called. The survival Guide for the Left-Handed Guitarist, I think it's called. Um, <laughs> it's fantastic. We just bought a couple for the library here at the school. Yeah. Um, so the Pentatonic Way is this great uh, website, etc., um, for learning guitar. He has this amazing thing going on Twitter right now, uh, Neil. He puts backing tracks with then the chord changes showing on a video. So it's just a, an instrumental track. Uh, with the chord changes showing, and then he shows the pentatonic patterns that you can choose from to play a solo over top. Mm -hmm. And then there are a whole bunch of us watching these and then recording ourselves playing with the backing track, right? Uh, Hotel California mm-hmm. Hotel California oh, really? and like it's a, a gigging musicians guitarists dream to play Hotel California a solo over that track without having to play their note solo. for note their solo yeah um, so definitely if you are somebody who uses Twitter at all um, you should you should check this out look for the pentatonic way on, on Twitter I'm just saying Twitter He's because the guitar player is Buddha <laughs> There you go. (laughs) All of that I'm putting in my little toolbox up here so that the next time a song pops into my head from the ether, I can then use that. I think this is the lesson. Where does that song come from? if, If it comes from your experiences and your experience and your knowledge, then, you know, you want to just study as much as you can. Mm. you know and get your skill level up and study as many different styles as you can mm. of people that you respect and 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 want to honor through your own music i like what you said there i will say that one of the things that i'm loving about this is that i'm not learning in this case from stevie ray vaughn or jeff beck i'm learning from another 
guy like me, just some but guy. You're also learning from the 15 other guys that are recording. That's exactly what I'm saying. Oh, is that I'm learning from those guys. Did who, I just repeat what you said? Uh, I think you just repeated what I did. What I said? There. Did I just repeat what you said? I don't think you just read what I said. Echo chamber. All right. So um, we clearly have asked a question that we are not answering. Um, I have no idea where it comes yeah. from. No, no, don't know. Basically, we can't answer where the song comes from. I don't know, but I do know that all of these years of practice, the experiences that that we have in our lives and musically, the things that we listen to, it all adds up to be how we then interpret that the people that are around us that we work with in terms of creating uh, turning that into a song that a band plays or a recording that all plays into it so it's more like the spark how do you then focus that spark into something so that you actually can take it to people and say okay this is the song now and you know what the thing of it is is it's it's an inner voice and it's me at, at, at that moment in time. What's originality? Well, originality is when you have so many influences that you can't tell which, you can't tell <laughs> exactly. them anymore. You can't see exactly. them anymore. They've all exactly. melded. And as your confidence rises in your craft, your personality steps in front of those influences and that's, that forms your voice. All right. Our mind on music, Jeremy. Woo! Thanks. Woo! Leon. Thank you. Don't forget to like and subscribe, Lincoln. Lincoln. Let Lincoln say that. That's our Okay. Thanks, everyone. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Good night.